Today, we're talking about intermittent fasting and exploring if it's right for you. This is Fitness or Fiction. I'm Eric Berg, and I'm joined with Senator Curtis Howden. Well, thank you, Chancellor Berg. Yes, Chancellor. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Fitness or Fiction, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the hype of the health and fitness industry. Every week, we dig into a new topic and help you wade through the real information to make so solid decisions on your fitness I, I journey. Really like, I think we should do this on a few different ways of eating because I think that diet in general is a little bit reductionist in its approach in our, our culture. Yeah, before like off air, I was saying as we were kind of organizing our thoughts, I was like, Curtis, this is going to go into five different matzo ball trails because it kind of falls in the category of all... I'm going to do keto. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do carnivore. I'm going to do that. The need to categorize is one of the things that I think we should probably start talking about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we, when we discuss how diet looks or even exercise, people are like, oh, I do CrossFit. I'm like, okay. So you're doing kind of a, a balanced approach to exercise, meaning you're going to put a lot of a lot of focus on power movements like the Olympic lifts. You're going to do some gymnastics work. You're going to do lots of high intensity sort of chippers and things like that. It's like, yeah, it's like, okay, that's called exercise. It doesn't have to be somebody sees me do a snatch. So they go, oh, that's CrossFit. I'm like, no, it's not. They don't own the snatch. It's been around since 1896. CrossFit successfully branded a few really good strategies. CrossFit does community very, very well. Totally. But they're also very culty. CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. Yeah, I'm not even here to say yay or nay to CrossFit, but what I am saying is that just because I'm doing a snatch doesn't mean that it's CrossFit. They don't own it. Mm -hmm. And I think when it comes to diet that people are looking to reduce the complexity by just saying, well, it's this approach. Yeah. So there's a guy named Vince Gironda. And Vince Gironda, he actually, he was going to train Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was just getting going. And he was really mean to him. He was like, you're fat. You're never going anywhere. Uh, so Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't end up training with him, but he was very good at a variety of things. And he was doing uh, low carb. He was doing lots of eggs. He was doing um, vegan periods in, in their dieting um, to let their system recover. He was doing a lot of stuff way before its time. Mm-hmm. In fact, even Gironda sets, that's an AMPK protocol that's eight by eight that's used heavily in N1. Um, he was doing that in like the 50s, 60s, I think. It's definitely 60s. But anyways... The, the challenge is that it's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing keto, or before that, I'm doing Atkins, or before that, it was something else. It's the just, zone. Yeah, it's just repackaged, right? Yeah. Um, so intermittent fasting is kind of one of these, I don't know how new it really is, but it's one of these approaches that people take where it's like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing with my diet. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, you want to talk about Dr. Fung? Dr. Jason Fung? Yeah, so I was saying previous... Oh, how do we go about this? I think people with intermittent fasting, A, what I wanted to say before I get into Dr. Fung was people get too caught up in like, this is the appropriate way to do it. Like when they be like intermittent fasting, people are like, oh, you have to do it this way. It has to be a, it has to be a eight, an eight sixteen window. And if you're not doing the eight sixteen window, it's not valuable. Like intermittent fasting can kind of be whatever window is appropriate to you and your lifestyle. That's the chosen path that you're going down. Um, but like you said, obviously, it's easier to it's easier to comply with uh, 
reducing your calories in a smaller window. So the shorter, the smaller you make that window, the less calories you're going to consume because you have less time to do it. Yeah. So for those of you that are listening, if some of you haven't run into intermittent fasting, basically the strategy here would be I have an eating window. So a period of time that I will eat and then a period of time that I won't eat. Um, what I'll hear a lot of is an eight-hour eating window. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would eat from, for example, noon to 8 p.m. And then that's it. No more food outside of that. I've heard four hour, six hour, I've even heard 10 and 12. Um, and at the end of the day, intermittent fasting is just a strategy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just one strategy in the bucket. And I think for different types of people, you know, you can talk about health markers, weight management and performance, and we will talk about that. But the idea of intermittent fasting is essentially taking what you're going to eat and putting it into smaller windows. Yeah. So do you want to talk about well, Dr. Fung now or no? No, not okay. yet. Okay. I okay. was thinking like talking more about the lifestyle of it because okay. I think the window that you choose in intermittent fasting should match your lifestyle. Like we were talking, if you're a busy office worker and you don't have time to eat breakfast and you skip to work and you're working all morning, then maybe the 12 to 8 window is nice. Another reason why I found a lot of people who have told me they've had success with intermittent fasting is they have a large snacking problem at night. And if you're not allowed to eat after 8 p.m., then you can't have any snacks after 8 p.m. And then it reduces just the kind of their garbage food intake. Yeah, I think that there can be a lot of reasons that it can be a valuable tool. And just on total calories, for people that have a hard time keeping their calories down, uh, it can be a really reasonable option because if you say, I can only eat between these hours, you're, if you have a big enough meal, you just feel full and usually not in a good way. So you'll stop eating. Mm-hmm. And if you have less time where you can do that, then it's it's going to be a way of reducing calories. Yeah. My challenge is, is it the best way? Yeah. Because when we look at it, like the, the question is, is intermittent fasting for you? So the concept that that we are talking about here is making a, a window can work for some people. And with the research that I looked at it, it says actually for weight loss, especially women, there's a few that will say that it improves health markers, but when referenced against other studies on calorie restriction in other fashions, it really doesn't perform that much better and more research is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think improving your health markers can happen just by changing the what you're eating, uh, the amount and then what type of food you're eating. You can do that without having to do an unnecessarily restrictive system. I, that's what I would say on the outset. I'm not saying it's a bad system, yeah. but I'm saying it is relatively restrictive and it, it's not completely required. Yeah, if you eat Doritos at 10 p.m. and you have a late night snacking problem and you shift those Doritos to 7.45 p.m. so that they're in your window, you're still consuming the stupid Doritos. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're eating the Doritos late, I'd just be like, oh, you're you're in intermittent fasting now. You can eat from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m., and that's your window. You Don't eat outside of that, so you just don't eat Doritos because that is not a required calorie. Yeah. So on the other side, I think so intermittent fasting, we're talking about like reducing the window to try to help reduce calories, feelings, and sensation of fullness. Um, so I, I read a book called the obesity code by Dr. Jason Fung, and he talked he was a big fan of intermittent fasting and he talked about intermittent fasting more along the lines of how your body responds to your food via like your insulin production and insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity. I don't know if you could elegantly speak to 
the body's process of insulin being like when you consume carbohydrates and it breaks it down into sugar what like how does insulin work with that so basically as you process your food your blood sugars are going to go up the available sugar in your blood is going to go up your pancreas is going to say hey listen our blood sugar is getting high and if it gets too high you can have all sorts of problems Mm -hmm. so you release insulin and insulin is basically going to say listen there's too much sugar in the blood start pulling it out that's that's what it does yeah um so people that are diabetic they either a their body stopped responding to insulin because they've dumped it so much and that's type two or b their body just doesn't create it anymore and that's type one diabetes Mm -hmm. so you know the big thing about insulin is you're going to have a response when you eat depending on the food it'll be a larger or smaller response for sure so could you manage that with just managing your calories? Yeah, you could. But I think what Dr. Fung is trying to say is that if you have a smaller eating window, you have less spikes and valleys. Correct. So it's less likely that your body's going to get insulin resistant just because there's less for the pancreas to do. Yeah, so you have those more open windows of essentially where your pancreas or your body doesn't have to produce any insulin if you only have that eight hour window you're having a much larger window it also has to do with like uh, uh, the natural cleaning process of the stomach having like your stomach empty for a longer period of time and just drinking water allows you to fully digest and do the full cleaning process i spoke to a naturopath who told me your full stomach cleaning process takes about four hours i can't speak to the accuracy of that but he spoke to it along the lines of a dishwasher going through like a power cycle and then a normal cycle and then essentially like a a fine a fine-tuned rinse where you don't want to get any spots on the dishes and your stomach near the end of that four-hour window has that fine-tuned rinse where it kind of like cleans off everything and resets well i think we can take a little bit of a tangent here i like to get tangential do it um three meals a day or even five when you start getting into the diets of the 90s especially but when it's like, well, you have to keep eating so your metabolism doesn't slow down. It's like, well, no, uh, your metabolism isn't going to significantly slow down in a couple hours. And if it did that, it could significantly increase in a couple hours too if it was that sensitive. And that would be actually very horrific for you. So, But if we look at, you can look at a lot of places around the world and the way that they used to eat. And it's kind of a matzo ball because there's so many different cultures and, and backgrounds and whatever. Like the ancient Egyptians ate this way and, you know, you, you can go Macedonians ate this way and Russians ate this way. Yeah. People in Taiwan ate this way. You can go crazy. But if we were to just say one place, like if we said Europe, like people in Europe tend to eat a little bit different than, than we do in North America. Uh, even though a lot of us are are of European descent of some sort. But in Europe, especially through the Middle Ages, it was pretty normal to have two meals. They'd have a small lunch and a large dinner. Mm-hmm. And the even the idea of conceptualizing that three meals is, is normal is a very interesting concept. But we live in a time of huge abundance. Mm-hmm. And this abundance... A lot of times, people, like, their their history really starts in the 1900s, which is a scary century to have your history start in, P.S. But if you go back, there's there's some really consistent things that you'll find. And one of them is that abundance was not normal. It's never been normal in the world uh, the way that it is now. And even taking that point to a different level, abundance and convenience being like, you know, even if you had abundance back in the day, it wasn't like you had microwaves to just rip food up or drive up to the Tim Hortons drive through and get garbage food. Like, yeah, cha-ching. You, you were a super rich duke that would be like, more wine. <laughs> yeah, go you didn't have skip the dishes. Barrel. More wine was your skip the <laughs> <Yeah>. dishes. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, the the idea for me is that, you know, normal is a really interesting comment. And I actually do think that it's valuable at times to just be like, you know what, I'm not hungry. I'm I'm just I'm just gonna let it ride for now. I'm okay, like my body's telling me something. When I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat. Yeah, it's a weird thing I've been telling people too, like, you know, the the sensation of hunger is a hormone called ghrelin and ghrelin runs on your like circadian rhythm so it's kind of like your natural natural cycle of your body where it's like it's kind of like a um a toddler nagging you like no curtis it's time to eat you're hungry now curtis but like you don't necessarily need those calories per se yeah well per se need when when people have excess body fat you can actually say that kilo of body fat is worth nine thousand calories Mm mm-hmm so you need a 9,000 calorie deficit to get rid of that kilo of body fat, 2.205 pounds. But to that point, people who have, like like people who are obese or who have a lot of excess calories stored on the body, they get hungry. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where I'm going with that conversation is you have energy there. You can use it. Uh, it's, it's a sensation. And there is an aspect of food that is addictive. Mm-hmm. If you look at the parts of the brain that are activated when you're eating sugar, it's actually pretty similar to, a, to some drugs that are out there. Not to the same level, but very similar. Also in society now too, and we are still on our tangent, people are in this mindset of every meal they have needs to be delicious. Every breakfast has to be delicious, lunch has to be delicious, and dinner has to be delicious. Nobody really wants to eat something plain or it's got to be like it's got to explode on your palate. Well, man, last episode we were talking about Stoic philosophy, mm-hmm. and they would what they would do is like wear clothes that were absolutely out of style just so they could deal with people harassing them about it. I remember that yeah. because it it puts them off that you're not dressing like them, and they wanted to be able to handle that well and be uncomfortable on purpose. Mm-hmm. After my diagnosis, I was reading about how carbs can impact you, and I really went not just low sugar but really low carb. And I actually felt really great doing that. Um, And I actually performed well in my workouts, which you wouldn't expect, but I did. And I started being like, well, I still want coffee. I'm going to have it with nothing in it. And I started realizing that I didn't actually really enjoy the flavor of just coffee. It took me a couple of weeks to really find the flavor of coffee. And I can drink black coffee and enjoy it now. And for me, that was a really interesting experience to be like, you know what, I... The way I was feeling about that, I haven't even experienced what the actual substance is that I wanted to drink. Even like, yeah, it was like a taste bud adjustment. I think that's a real thing, though, like taste bud adjustment. If you have like pizza for breakfast and burgers for lunch and more garbage food for dinner, like I think like my taste buds have heavily gotten overloaded from too much garbage food. I'm like, man, I just want some rice and some boiled chicken right now. Like, Give me the basic something in my body, just good fuel. Oh, man, I, I actually really like the challenge of having something just for what it is. Yeah. Like, not without all the dressing. Because, like, experience stretching, we've talked about this before. You, you're standing on a balcony in Hawaii, and you're enjoying the sunset. And the sunset's so good, and you watch it for a couple of days. And then you're like, you know what would make this better? Wine. You know what would make this better? Music. And you keep, it's called experience stretching. You keep adding things until what you're doing, the experience that you're enjoying, doesn't even really include the thing that it started as. Mm-hmm. I think that's true with food. I really do. And it's really good when people can just step back and have something for what it is and be like, do I actually enjoy this? Have I taken the time to enjoy it? To that point, my lunch for the last three days has just been white rice, cucumbers, and a very basic chicken that I cooked in the slow cooker with basically salt and pepper. And... Mm-hmm. I ain't mad at it. It's 
it was it's been good fuel, man. You're obviously a sociopath. I had ginger beef today and, and sweet and sour sweet and pork. sour pork. Delicious. I haven't had those two things in a long time. I found a gluten free place. Still not good for you, PS, just because it's gluten free. But um, it was really nice. I to thought have. they meant it's healthy. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but to get back out of this, it's like. I actually don't think that eating less meals is a bad thing for a lot of people. So the question is, is intermittent fasting right for you? If you were to put two groups side by side, one group, it's like, I don't know what tracking calories looks like. I've never used my fitness pal. I don't really have the time to learn, but I want to make one adjustment that's really easy. Can intermittent fasting be a reasonable method of cutting out calories without having to do too much work? Yeah, it can. And it can work. Absolutely can. Um, if I had my choice, I would have people understand how much they're eating and then where it's from and, and whatever. But as a method, if you're going to do something, intermittent fasting can be, can be a relatively easy to change, easy change to make Yeah. that I can actually, I can get behind. I wouldn't choose it as the first method, but I can get behind it. Again, lifestyle dependent person specific. It has to totally. be all of those things. Yeah. I think counting macros is a great powerful tool for people to learn and understand so they can understand their proper portions and exactly what how much fuel their body does need but i'm a believer in essentially intuitive or like lifestyle eating where it's like you should kind of just know what your rough portion sizes are and know kind of what's good and what's bad and kind of you know have an intuitive adjustment as you go but it's hard to be really good at that intuitive eating unless you actually count the macros and understand the portions and understand the food first yeah, and you know, my f- if I were to start in one place, it probably wouldn't be intermittent fasting. It definitely wouldn't in most cases. Mm-hmm. But what I would do is ask people if they understand why they're eating. Yeah. Because if you're eating for enjoyment, that's fine, but that shouldn't be every meal, to your point. Yeah. But are you eating for fuel? Cool. So what does good fuel look like? Is that something that you get? Well, no, I don't really. Okay, so let's try to learn that. Like, I think the best... The best thing that you can do, I'm trying to work with my kids on this, is like, oh, so you want a snack? Why do you want a snack? Are you hungry or, or are you just craving some sugar? Because you had some sugar that. this morning, yeah. right? Um, and they're going to get food anyways. I'm just seeing if they understand. Like, are you hungry or you just want something that tastes good? Are you eating for taste right now or are you eating because you really feel hungry? You want something to drink? Is it just because you want juice or would you drink water too? They're going to get it anyways. I'm not going to keep it from my kids. But you monster. It's, it's really interesting because most of the time with the kids, it's like, well, I want something to drink. It's like, cool. So would you drink water? Well, no. It's like, okay, cool. Well, I can get you some juice. But you're, you're wanting the flavor of juice right now. Yeah? Yeah, cool. All right, here you go. Um, I think understanding and giving voice to why reading, is, it can be a really, really good tool. Yeah, and to that point, I think understanding and giving voice to why you're trying to get on one of these one of these diets or styles of eating, I guess. I don't really like the word diet. Style of eating, whatever you want to call it. But like intermittent fasting, keto, macro counting, counting calories, whatever the case may be. Vegan. I think the only, like, I think... Carnivore. <laughs> speaking off the top of my head, I think if you're going to try something like this, commitment and consistency, though, still speaks volumes. I know way too many people who jump on these stupid styles of eating all of them to me in my opinion keto like again they're good but they're stupid when you only do them for two to three weeks in my opinion like curtis i'm keto now i've been keto for two weeks and then you see me eating pizza tomorrow i'm like ah, i'm not keto anymore 
ah, I'm gluten free now, Kurt. I'm not gluten free anymore. I'm intermittent fasting, Curtis. I did it for for two weeks, and now I'm back to normal. I think you should only do these diets if you're actually willing to commit to it for what would you say is a fair amount of time? I would say probably three months to actually understand what it did and how it worked. Yeah, I think 12 weeks is a good kind of starting point. I I did vegan for, I think, seven months. You went gluten-free for two weeks, didn't you, Curtis? I've been gluten-free for a long time. <laughs> um, I actually had my MRI on Monday. So, or Yeah, Monday. So I get to find out if I've been three years without a relapse here, but... I've been, I went keto for about six months and keto was actually a, a method of eating that was very easy for me. I, I found that really easy. I went vegan. That was really challenging and I felt way worse. I felt jittery and had all this stuff. And then I started realizing that I'm sensitive to, to gluten. I'm going to Photoshop allergy up. testing and I'm stuff. Photoshop you just grazing some grass. Like yeah, a goat. exactly. Right. Um, and then I, you know, when I just got into like no dairy, no gluten, it, it took some adjusting but I still feel really good. And, you know, if I wanted to loop low carb on that, I could. But having carbohydrates is far easier for me to get my calories in. And it actually fuels my workouts really well, especially high volume stuff. I can really notice a difference. Strength stuff, I can perform really well. But when I start getting into the higher volume stuff, it really does beat me up without carbohydrates but i learned all of that by trying it out and there's nothing wrong with trying a diet out and it's easy to say like oh it's stupid or whatever whatever people find that works for them and improves their health their outlook their performance i can be behind yeah um, i just have a really hard time when it's cut out this macro or cut out this meal it's like well what if we just did that in a way that didn't blow up your whole life you yeah know? And to my statement previously, I'm definitely one of, like, when I talk about doing this for two to three weeks, I'm definitely guilty of it 100% over the last uh, two years trying to manage my own stomach problems. But like I said, I'm stubborn. And I'm like, maybe I can just, maybe it can just slip up a little. Oh, no. You may be the chancellor, and then you're it, still a human. It gets me slapped in the face often with my stomach. But to that point, let's wrap it up, I think. Intermittent fasting, is it right for you? The answer. Are you it, willing to commit? And if you're depends. willing to commit to it and see how it runs for you and how you feel, then it can be. Um, I wouldn't recommend it as the first thing to do for most people. Depending on their lifestyle. Yeah, depending and, on and the, what you want out of it. Yeah, and depending on how committed you are and how much work you're willing to put in. Some people are willing to put in more work than others. You, you know when it's a really good fit? Hmm. When you want to do less work. Because it's really easy to just cut out all the extra. Just be like, this is my window and that's it. And that's, that's where I would say it is the best fit. You don't really like breakfast anyway. You like to do two meals. Cool. Well, make sure that you're fitting your macros in in that space. And try, just try not to have a crazy window. I'd say eight hours is really reasonable. Six is, is a pinch and four is getting ridiculous. Yeah, it can get ridiculous. They also talk in these books about doing a full day fast. Um, I've done that a few times. I've never done it, but I'm curious to try. But by the end of it, you don't feel very good. Yeah. Yeah, your, your saliva starts tasting like skin. You. It's like you're processing yourself. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you made it this far, hopefully you learned something or maybe you have something to teach us on intermittent fasting. If yeah, you're I'd inter love to hear from intermittent you. fasting wizard. But uh, thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, comment. Throw those alerts on. Com yeah. Comment on Curtis's biceps and have a good day. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, follow, and throw us a like on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts.